here's a commercial message from me. If you're looking to grow your business in 2021, then why not take either some sponsorship or some advertising with the Supersonic Marketing Podcast? You're listening and your customers might be listening too. All you need to do to become a sponsor or an advertiser with the podcast is send me an email to mark at supersonic.marketing. That's mark at supersonic.marketing and I will send you a rate card and a presentation that will absolutely convince you that it is the right thing to do to grow your business and help your brand boom. Hi, and welcome to the Mark McSee Supersonic Food Marketing Podcast. Every week, we will talk to the great, the good, and the legendary from the worlds of food, drink, marketing, and business to help give you the advice that will really help your brand boom. A huge thanks to our headline sponsors, the award-winning Engage Interactive. Engage Interactive have been helping hospitality businesses like yours prepare for a mobile and digital-first world since 2007. From Supersonic Inc., this is the Mark McSee Supersonic Marketing Podcast. So, ho, 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 and happy Christmas Day. Merry Christmas, everyone. And thank you so much for listening to the Supersonic Marketing Podcast with me, Mark McSee. And thanks to everyone also who has listened all year. Today, we've got a special, a Christmas special, and it is the Three Wise Marks returning for Christmas. I don't think it needs much introduction, and I'll hand over to us talking about the last six months or so in the world or the maelstrom or the other storm that's been hospitality. So enjoy, wish you well, wish your family well, your team's well, your business well, and I really hope that 2021 is a far more positive year for every single one of you. So it gives me the most freaking pleasure ever. Oh, that was <laughs> yeah, brilliant. Freaking pleasure ever. It's kind of like freak and something else rude. But yeah, welcome to the other two Marks and the other Mark, me. Hello. Hey, Merry Christmas. Merry, Merry Christmas. Christmas. And, we'll, and we've just figured out it is part V. Yeah. Yeah, it's the fifth in the triptych. <laughs> yeah. Is that not what it is? Not what it is? <laughs> well, what it's was the what, fifth one we've done, isn't it? Well, do you know what? That's this is true. good news because in Star Wars terms, it's Empire Strikes Back. So, that you know, this has got to be a good episode, doesn't it? So right. does that mean it's all downhill from here? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Right, so what are you drinking and what are you thinking, I suppose, is the theme tonight. So what have you got drinking on the go at the moment, Mark Wingett? Uh, because it's a weeknight, mm. I, I've got the weeknights from Camden. Uh, N-I-T-E? Yep. Uh, really nice, N-E-D, nice branding, lovely colour. Yeah, can't go wrong with Camden Brewery, I think. Very good, very good. And what about you, Mark Stretton? I've got some Northern Monk Faith Hazy Ooh. Pale Ale, 5.4%, which is really nice. Nice. I think the branding and the naming hierarchy of those folks is very good. Very good. Um, good I'm on a Pucka Herbal Tea and uh, Iron Brew good. Extra. What a combination. No, no stereotypes here. Oh, they're, they're, they're both sort of bright orange, so kind of <laughs> works. Um, so, yeah, I'm off the booze six weeks now, off Excellent. the booze, off the caffeine, I had a sore head for exactly 10 days, and it was hell. 
So I just kind of did everything at once, proper train spotting, mushroom soup, all stacked up in the, the bedroom and the mattress and the floor and all that. But yeah, getting through it. <laughs> and it being Christmas Day, you're going to have a small glass I'm not, of sherry at I'm some not. point? Um, you're done. Well, I, I just... I, I, well, I just need to figure out what's wrong with me, which is probably a long list. But uh, yeah, so we'll, we'll wait and see. Um, but they've advised Doc's orders, which is, yeah. But my entire lifestyle basically just played back to me, you know. So do some exercise. What? Uh, no deliveries or fast food. Uh, what? Really? <laughs> and then, you know, no drink, no tobacco, no, nicot- uh, no nicotine and no um, caffeine. So... It's a full house. That's a full sweep, isn't it? I mean, what else is yeah, that? That's bingo, isn't it? Mm. Yep. I mean, I suppose there's illegal substances, but I'm guessing that was implied by the list. Yeah. As and yet well. you seem strangely animated and happy. I um, feel great. That's good. Feel absolutely yeah, I want to actually get up in the morning. Like my first two words in the morning in the morning aren't oh f- this is gonna be a good day. Yeah. That's it. I, well, not as much as that, but I just actually want to stand up, which is you know really positive. It's um, winning, isn't it? Well, considering my office is about six feet from my bed, <laughs> it's it's not a bad commute these days. I'm quite enjoying it. <laughs> right, oh so we, we were just chatting off mic there before we started um about where we are now. And we were sort of laughing about Osh saying, you know, if someone else says it is what it is, he's going to throttle them. But, you know, where where are we now? What's happening? So we're Thursday, 17th of December. Um, we are going to release this on Christmas Day. But what's happening right now for you guys and what are you seeing out there? Well, I think obviously today we've just had the tier announcement. I think it was a day late. So we've just... Been announced, you know, people, I don't think people are expecting much movement um, from tier three down to tier two, although Greater Manchester obviously was hoping they'd be the same. Um, but a lot more people have gone into tier three, which is pretty much locked down by any other name. And um, also today, we uh, Rishi has announced an extension of the furlough scheme for another month. Mm. And where, 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 where does that take it to, sorry? End of April. Is it? Which... I think if you put two and two together, means it looks like we're going to be in some form of restriction or lockdown until the end of April now. I mean, uh, I saw Simon Holston, if if that's how you pronounce his name, who I, I follow lots on Twitter and, and Instagram, and, and I think is an amazing chef and really funny, actually, with all his stuff. And he said he reckons um, he's planning for not being open at all until um, end of February. And then I was really sad. I saw... Um, Oh God, I, I don't actually know the lady's name, but um, she goes out with um, Scott from Meat Liquor's brother. Um, so it's like little Siak is a, like a title. I can't, I, I can't figure out exactly what, but she's really lovely and her, you know, her, her posts are brilliant and all that. But um, it was really sad. They've taken over a Young's pub called The Woodhouse and it looks absolutely phenomenal and they're rocking it. I mean, you can see that they know what they're doing and, you know, loving it there. And she put up like her taking down the Christmas decorations now, just going, you know what? And it's like, whoa! I mean, that that really hit home when you saw that. You know, there was, was a there was a landlady last night from I think it's a, it's a Fuller's pub, the Red Line, and she did exactly the same. She did a um, sort of minute forty second video of going around, people cleaning up, all the decorations up, yeah. all the tables socially distanced, everything ready outside. They spent yeah. money on the outside area, and she went and she I think she said, you know, a pubs Christmas like pubs. 
is this, the video. Is this red, the red line in Teddington, sort of way or whatever? It's I think balls, so, Barnsway, maybe. Ah, it's hmm. Angus, isn't it? Yeah. yeah so, yeah. It's, I mean, there's, there's been, nice. I mean, over wow. the last two weeks, there's been a few videos, well, lots of videos. Yeah. Uh, you know, people, Avril Taverns have got some of their um, licensees to come on and do videos, and it's it's heartbreaking. Yeah. It really it's is. Quite and I stark, don't... isn't it, when you think about, oh, pubs are getting ready for Valentine's Day. Well, best. I, if they're putting Maybe. their neck on the line, yeah. yeah. And, and so, like, just thinking about right now, what are you seeing out there? I mean, how many do we think are, are going to succeed and hang on? Is there news that so many are closing that's surprising? I mean, what what's the, the industry news? I mean, the big thing coming out of today was just like, okay, so we have the extension of the job retention scheme. Great. But where is the support for businesses and where is the support that makes sure that when those people come off furlough, they've still got companies to work for. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's really, I mean, there's a lot to unpack there, I think, but it's basically companies that can see a way to bridge and have the balance sheet to do it and have the finances to do it are planning, but there's lots of people sort of scrapping for their lives and working out how they're going to get to, whenever it is that we can actually start to return to normality. I think most people have that pegged at sort of April, May, June time. Because I think thinking about any any longer is just impossible. You just can't yeah. mentally bring yourself to do it. But um, yes, yeah, so it's, it's a really difficult, difficult time, I think. In terms of how many people make it, I mean, God, that's the... I, I don't question. think we'll know. I don't think we'll know how many people have made it or not made it until we're all open up again. Because... There will be businesses now we don't know have shut and have yeah, shut. Yeah. And, and and that's the sad thing. There'll be until we like go back and everything's normal, you know, the word thrown out there. Until we go back out and open up London or, you know, go and walk along a street, you know, like go to Leadenhall Market, we won't really know who's gone because it'll just be that's the that's the sad thing. There's these you know, this that thing, you know, open loudly, shut quietly. Yeah. There's a whole swathe of this sector that's just shut and we don't know about it. And that's the sad, scary thing. And um, it's it's unquantifiable to know how many people are going to go, but there are going to go, and there's going to be a lot of people who are going to go quietly, and we just don't know about it. And there's going to be a of people that own businesses now, and they won't own them in six months' time. That's sort of, sorry, that's sort of saying the same thing, but it's just that shift in ownership. You can have a load of brilliant venues that in normal times are brilliant businesses, and they work just fine and do really well. And right now... They don't work and people are going to go bust and someone else is going to probably hopefully in, in the best possible way pick up the pieces but but the people that own them now aren't going to be there and mark and picking up mark's point we will hear about the brands that go under yeah because there'll be brands and people will pick up on them we won't hear about the independence going under yeah and and then what about if you try and look for some kind of positivity what about innovation in the sector what about new opportunities and what about investors that, you know, actually are going to come in and get a really good deal and actually inject money into the sector as well? Because within, if everything stays as it is and the, the virus is on the way out and all these things, within two years, it's going to be really healthy. Again, you would have thought. I think there's a few things to pick up. I mean, I said this to Mark the other day on a call that this is, COVID's the biggest case of due diligence the sector's ever seen, as in to terms of, really drilling down to what your business is about and what, what what's what it is going forward and yes we're seeing people do diy kits we're seeing people do delivery more we're seeing people stretch from side to side 
whether everyone will stay that way, we don't know. But, you know, Pete's program coat, you can see that now, these DIY kits and this this coat at home stuff will be, will be part of their offer. Mm. Um, in terms of... I think, Mark, just to jump in there, I think everyone's going, right, what is our out-of-restaurant or our out-of-bar mm. strategy? And I think for a lot of people, that has changed irrevocably. And they're actually taking time now to think, okay, well, should we be in grocery? What is our e-com offer? You know, digitally, what's our brand presence like? Da, 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 da. And, I, and I think a lot of people are doing that work now, even though hopefully we're starting to come out of this. But for the long term, it's like, okay, we need to have a, we need to, our brand needs to exist well beyond the four walls. And what, what should that look like? It's the classic, um, I think Emma Woods brought this up, Emma Woods from Agamemnon brought this up, because when, when they start off, where are our consumers? Where are they? They're not in our restaurants. So where are they and how do we get to them? And I think that that'll be the case. And yes, you know, the, the, there's there's a few bits going around. You'll see there's going to be more sites available. There's going to be more people available. We talked probably last mm. year, we were talking about Brexit and we were talking about staff shortages. That's not going to be the case. There's going to be lots of pe- good people already out of work looking for looking for vacancies. So people, as Mark said, who can bridge the gap, who've got money on their on their on their balance sheet, you can get through. You know, we looked at Cube Osmond, who's various eateries floating that business. There'll be other investors tapping people on shoulders now, going, getting ready. But I think it, it's about timing because you know Mark made the point. You know, is it is it going to be Easter? Is it going to be summer? Mm-hmm. And people who may be restructured in March and thought everything's going to be right in September this year, haven't got the money to get through, actually. The new investors have come in and haven't gone, we think this is going to be another 18 months. So we might see some people come around again. Yeah. Um, but then again, I think, you know, I talk to people now, new investors coming in, they're seeing the opportunity. We've got a float going on at the moment. You know, we've got Nightcap, this new bar entity that's looking to float. Um, we've just had Delta, you know, one of the, you know, looking for positive bits of news at the end of the year. Couldn't happen to a nicer guy. Peter Marks has been through, you know, that, that set has been hung out to dry. Mm. They've got a deal away. The majority of the business has been saved. Peter's going to carry on. And hopefully, you know, by the summer, Deltic will be open. A viable business. Mm. £80 million turnover business. I'm dead, I'm dead pleased for all of them, by the way. You know, and like, I, I know some of Peter Andy's team and I saw some videos from, from one of his ops managers, I think it was, and it was just heartbreaking, you know, and... and one of the questions I was going to ask you both was, do you think the hospitality industry is and was unfairly treated? It's a so slightly it's a loaded question, question but yeah. I, I I guess it's, you know, I, I, yeah, anyway, what, what do you to, think well, about that? Where I am, I'll, I'll go first and then Mark can say something clever and intelligent. Um, but <laughs> what, that I Mark? Think- Wingers, <laughs> that's you. <laughs> I think if you look at where we are now, you'd have to say absolutely yes, because if you look at the tiers, basically we've just come out of a lockdown in November, and then we've gone back into the tiers, which you know have tighter restrictions, and then a lot of the country, as of just just before this was recorded, went from tier two to tier three. So off the back of a lockdown, when hospitality hasn't been opened, we go the, the infection rate spikes. And then we go from tier two to tier three. And I know a lot of parts of the North have been dealing with tier three for some time, but going into tier three pretty much just shuts down hospitality. Mm. So the thing which hasn't caused the infection spike is now shut down. So how is that going to arrest the infection spike? Mm. And I just think the tiers haven't been thought through effectively enough. There's, There's too much economic damage without the guarantee of getting the health benefit and getting the infection rate down. And also there's no support package allied to it. 
So if you look in France, they're doing something like 20% of revenue um, in support for those businesses affected by lockdowns and by what would they be their equivalent of the tiers. And I think it's just it's just economic harm because you know this we've we've said it lots, but this sector generated 39 billion of tax revenue mm. to support public sector services before this. And if those businesses aren't there, that recovery can't happen as quickly, and therefore this sector can't get back to contributing what it used to contribute yeah. to our public services. So, yeah, I think it has been unfairly treated. I'm hoping, with the fullness of time and perspective, we'll see this as a defining moment when people understood a bit more about how big hospitality is mm. and how many people it employs and how important it is. And I think I was saying just before we came on, you know, watching question time with Tom Courage a couple of weeks ago, it was really encouraging just to see that coming through in some of the audience comments and people yeah. talking about the need to get hospitality open and to help these businesses. But yeah, it's your question. I think it's been really hard um and at the moment certainly as we as we record just before christmas it feels like hospitality has been singled out mm. if we've got a shut fine but give us the economic support so that we can all get through and get back to doing what we do best when we come out of this yeah yeah i mean everything i mark said I completely thank agree you with. for coming to my ted talk um <laughs> I, I think you know it, it comes down to this evidence thing and i think you know having no evidence in March was acceptable. We didn't know where the world was. We were all, you know, we locked down, we locked down. We need to do this thing. We're following the rules. We followed them. We listened to people. We engaged. We did all the right things. We invested money, lots of money, yeah. to make sure our, our um, the sector was COVID secure. But to, to then do all these things to us in October, November, December, when there should be evidence by now is I find unacceptable. Mm. And the evidence they came up with, you know, that classic Friday afternoon, let's sneak this out. It was threadbare. It had yeah. so many holes in it. Look, if you'd come to our sector and said, this is where it's coming from, here's the evidence. This is a sector that looks after people. It's raison d'etre is to look after people. It would have gone, yep, you're right. We can see the evidence. We need to shut down. Yeah. Can you support us? But you're right. We won't say anything. We'll shut down. We'll help you. We'll help you out here. But the way it's just been, talking to, we've got a story, it's on the 17th going out. Um, Alex Riley was tweeting today about how we've, we've just become white noise a little bit. Mm. All that, you know, and that's nothing against, you know, UKH, BPPA, you know, we need to keep pounding against the door, but it seems like for the government, we are easy to ignore. Mm. And it goes, and we talked about this off camera, it, it goes back to that classic you know, hospitality scene is still seen as a second-class citizen mm. in, in, in the business circles. It's still seen as when you're going to get a proper job. And I know this is changing. I know it's probably changed over this year by the amount of, you know, publicity the sector's got, the fact that, you know, Rishi, especially in Parliament, hospitality is mentioned and mentioned, which is fantastic. Yeah. But the government seems to make it so easy just to ignore all that. Yeah. And I think that unless public opinion changes and the public get angry, they're only going to get angry when they go back to their local pub and find their local pub's not there anymore. I think, yeah. I, think there's a lot of people, I think there's a lot of people that in the last few weeks have really started to vent and look at the people running the country and, and, and just, you know, have completely lost confidence. They're and, just realising now. Yeah, and if you look at the people, <laughs> the people at the top, it, it does feel like actually... Horrendous. Yeah. That's but who's, who's, who's pulling the strings? You know, we all thought Cummings was pulling the strings. He's not there. Oh, this is why it's back to Star Wars, isn't it? There's, there's a bigger emperor somewhere. From Supersonic Inc., this is the Mark McSee Supersonic Marketing Podcast. 
Hey, it's Lucy here from Toggle, the newest member of the team. This time of year is all about gifting, and after a challenging year, Toggle wants to support the gift of hospitality. There are all sorts of opportunities available on the platform, from your standard digital and physical gift cards, to Gusto Italian's Taste of Italy experience, or Revolution's Christmas gift set, or even the brilliant Pay It Forward feature. And it can be made so much easier this year with the first £1,000 of sales completely on us. Just visit usetoggle.com and learn more. It's interesting. I think if you take hospitality in isolation, then of course, yes. You know, I think it's been all done to and all that for loads of reasons where there's the evidence thing. The evidence thing's interesting, right? Because um, my wife got COVID and, and at some point I thought I might have it, but I, I was all right. Um it's really funny. You've got to then state like where you were when you think you got it in some way. And I was I, I was like in the moment in the thing and going, well, I have been to a couple of pubs, but I can't say that's where I got it because I don't know. It's, it's, it's actually quite, I think there's actually some flaws in the data as well, you know, to, to, for that one hour visit or... Could you really say that's where you got it? I, I, it's I hard, that, you know. And that's the genius. That's the genius of the virus, isn't it? That it doesn't show itself for four, five, six, seven days. Yeah, so, so who knows where you got it from? Look, there has to be some element of transmission yeah. in hospitality. Yeah. But if you, I think the the one of the sort of data points which I think is really important is how many people that work in hospitality. Yes. Yeah. Have, have got it. Yeah. Yeah. No. Absolutely. It. And people that are there all day, every day. Yeah. Yeah. And and, and the instances that are really, really quite low. Unless so, they're just so pickled from drinks at the end of the <laughs> night, like every night, they're like just superheroes. Are, yeah. That's but, what we need. That, yeah. Maybe that's the vaccine. <laughs> but alcohol that, is is the cure. <laughs> yeah. Am <laughs> yeah. I? Well, do you know Stephen Manal? Um, it's like a consultant to the sector. Um, sorry, Minal, I think I always say his name wrong. Minal. He uh, came up with something really good and he said, why don't we administer the vaccines in pubs? Like, Absolutely. Why you know, don't we do that? I, I, think I, I, Local I thought community that was, centres. I thought was a brilliant idea. Like pubs and you know, maybe restaurants in TBC, but like, and if they need places and they need, and also it's going to drive footfall, like you're saying, Mark, you know, the, package that instead of a post office it's a local pub or whatever you could do like I, a meal I, deal couldn't you like ah, a pint and a pie yeah. and, a, and a vaccine yeah and a shot a shot of vaccine yeah a shot um yeah. but you know so i, I think um i I, th- I thought that was an absolutely brilliant idea and why why wouldn't you know so so many pubs and venues are going to have a function room that you could do it out of the way of everything and i I, I believe one nightclub operator actually has got asked by the government ironically, can they use one of their sites as a vaccine centre? Right. So just on that point then, so I think hospitality in the main got some support, not enough, and now it's getting worse. Um, I think at the start, I think at the start... The it, government... it was, well, it was arguably very good. Um, and, yeah. you know, Rishi Dishy and, and all that, you know, but people are eating their words now. But I think then hosp- nightclubs, terrible. And then, you know, something that's dear to all of our hearts as well, just like the arts, gigs... Mm. You know, hotels, I think, as well, were shafted to a certain extent. Mark, the whole, e- the whole ecosystem of you the hospitality sector yeah. and everything that comes out of there and everything goes... I mean, the, the problem is... Well, I mean, there's many layers to what the problem is, but the, one of the problems is it's, it's a political football. Yeah. And you notice, as soon as Rishi started sticking up for us, 
The other three, or two members of the, the so-called quad, are the two who are thinking, well, I thought I was going to be next Prime Minister, which is Hancock and Gove. <sighs> and they, they've you know started briefing against him and quietly sort of saying stuff like, he's out to help out. Well, that could have been, yeah. not proven, but that, and that started to leak out the message that could have been one of the problems. And it, it's, it's, yeah, it's a political, and it, you know, the, the moral question about alcohol and selling alcohol, and making money, and this, is this a kind of attack on the wet lead pub by yeah. stealth? The problem that goes back in about, and there's a whole question of fairness, and, and Will Beckett, who's been brilliant all the way through this, yeah, yeah. I would say to anyone, go on to Twitter, Will will do something eloquent and about brilliant. What, yeah, he's, yeah. what he's heard that day and, and, and reply to people, and he's brilliant at it. Um, he was talking about fairness, and it's in the other case about fairness is we're just one sector. Every mm. other sector is open. Every other yeah, sector is being exactly. allowed to trade. Yeah. yeah, and we've all seen the crazy scenes of people shopping. I, I don't get the shop thing at all. You know, I really—that's where I started to struggle. If if non-essential shops are still open and hospitality's closed, like, are you out of your mind? Yeah, and the fact you can go to Blue Water or Lakeside, you know, the big shopping centres. Uh, near London and you can get you can shop to your heart's content but you can't go to a restaurant and bar at the same place it's mental absolutely we've all seen these we've all seen those scenes in uh, you know Oxford Street in London Harrods as well Nottingham yeah Yeah. but but I also also, it's just the the lack of understanding how our sector works Mm. to tell people within 24 hours you have to close down or conversely you have 25 hours to open up. It's mental. To not, to not understand how a business in this sector, what it needs to do and all the parts that need to come together yeah. to make it open, make it close. Now, sadly, I think most people become experts at opening and closing up, you know, yeah, yeah. in yeah. 24 hours over the last nine months, 10 months. But the t- total lack of understanding of this people's livelihoods and they can't just, one, switch on a business, switch on their emotions. Yeah. yeah. You know, and go from the depths of despair to, right, you have to open up tomorrow. And then bring all their teams with them. And and what what about um, you know if if we go back then? So we last caught up sort of June July time, I guess. And then sort of what's happened since then? You know, in terms of you know big stuff, good stuff. You know, all these sort of things are going on. So I guess eat out to help out kicked off. You know, at slightly just after, which was seen as a big success, wasn't it? In a lot of ways. Yeah, I think in hindsight, people are trying to play it down and, and paint it into a different corner. But one, it highlighted the pent-up demand that people wanted to be out. People wanted to be in restaurants and they and they and bars and pubs and they and they saw them as safe. Mm. Yeah, and I don't buy this that, that it was a massive transmitter. I just think no. it's absolute rubbish. And if you look at you know Cornwall, for example, and what happened to their rate, you know, after eat out to help out, you know, it's a very busy place in the summer. Um and it clearly, you know, didn't lead to a spike in infections. Mm. But yeah, no, it was great. It was sort of a, you know, in hindsight, it was kind of great days, wasn't it? Eat out to help out. Huge success for the sector. I think everyone was hoping there'd be a repeat in January, which obviously isn't, you know, isn't going to happen now. I think politically, you couldn't, you couldn't do it. And mm. and but also it was after three months or four months, wherever it was, people could go out and do what they're good at: operate, meet and greet, and look after people, yeah. rather than worry about budgeting or closing or talking to staff and putting them on furlough and getting grants. It was doing what people want to do is get back to being hospitable. And like you said, um, the, demand, the demand was off the charts, wasn't it? And, you know, I think hospitality people love, loved it, love looking after people, working, you know, they're working sort of three, four, 
Fridays or Saturdays every week equivalent. Yeah, I, I heard I heard varied reports from operators like just that in some cases it was all just a bit too much. You know, the demand was just so high, and it reminded me of when I was at Yosushi um, Blue Monday. Uh, like the staff hated it in the main because it was really busy and they wanted to go and have an easy Monday. Um, and then if you extended it, sometimes we did like Blue Thursdays or things like that, and they really hated that. Um, so I think you know. It was a, a bit of a mix. Um, but also, I guess what people wanted to do was show themselves at their best as well because potentially they were bringing in a lot of new customers yeah. to them as well because of the price point. And so they wanted to be at their best. So, you know, it was, it was a bit... You heard the odd report of, you know, I waited two hours and still nothing and, you know, and all these kind of things. But, you know, that, that was going to happen. That was going to happen. You know, I was always worried about the discounting though. And I was always worried about people you know, elongating it themselves because you think to what end and margins and, and all that stuff and the effect it might have on your brand. And but I think a lot of people handled it really well. Like Hawksmoor handled it brilliantly. I think Deshum handled it really well also. Um, so the, there was quite a few. Um, so after Eat Out to Help Out, what, what else was sort of going on then? It seems, um, it seems like a different year. Uh, yeah, it's it's nuts, isn't it? Isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. When, when was this? Um, <laughs> um, I think Deliveroo did a pretty tone deaf campaign in September, and they took a lot of a lot yeah. of heat for that. That was sort of uh, dine in or order in to help e- out. E- in to help out, wasn't it? Yeah, and I think I think a lot of people were worried about their September numbers anyway, off the back of eat out to help out. Mm. You know what's going to happen in September, and then Deliveroo did this campaign where you know they give they gave special discounts if you ordered. Uh, in September, but it was only for independent restaurants. So I think they upset a lot of um, a lot of the groups and chains and, and brands and what have you. Yeah. Um, so it, it almost feels like, in some ways, they were trying to do a good thing. Maybe in some ways, you know, to highlight independent restaurants and things like that. But it was just seen as a bit of a selfish land grab, wasn't it? I, I think a cynical ploy to go after just each market. Really? Oh, maybe. I think it was just utterly stupid, and and you know, coming off the back of getting a lot of bad press for you know not being more flexible in the in the in the days of lockdown when you know lots of people were asking if they could possibly trade outside of exclusive agreements and being told no. Mm. Um, Yeah, but what about Just Eat's TV advert? Amazing! Come on. I mean, my, that, kids, that's, my kids sing it. It's got to be yeah. ad of the year, isn't it? Tacos yeah. to the Chateau. I mean, <laughs> come on. Yeah. yeah, it's amazing. And the it? Christmas ones, bro. Miso, miso something, miso soup, miso snoop. And it's like, these lyrics are just unbelievable. It's the gift that keeps on giving. Oh, isn't it? Yeah. And, and now they've got the puppet of them. So they can just roll that out anytime they like. They just get them in an ISDN line. so what we're saying you know in the era of populism and black and white just eat great delivery bad well well what i would say is i think delivery is a far better product and usability thing and just eat's got a long way to go to match that but in brand terms you know they've done well in advertising for sure um also, um, God, who was the other one? Uh, oh, yeah, Uber Eats need to have a serious look at their brand codes because the ad that they've got running makes them look like Deliveroo. So what happens is they spend all that money and people think it's Deliveroo. Deliveroo. Get more orders. Yeah. Mm. 
And it, it they're, they're wearing like exactly the same sort of break dancing kugel like from the eighties type thing, you know. And it takes a long time, for, you know. And if you take it frame by frame, you need to get your brand codes in order. Like Uber Eats needs to change their brand palette. They they can't have the same brand palette as Deliveroo. Yeah, you know that's like Costa having the same brand palette as Starbucks. It would never work. Yeah. So you've got to, you've got to watch that. But um, yeah, I mean, I think they're just done a. Absolutely phenomenal job. I think Burger King have done a yeah. really good job pretty much all year. They um, just keep they just keep delivering, don't they? On, Fernando. You know, yeah, yeah, I'd love to get him on the podcast at some point. Well, but he's well, he's a rock star. Well, one of your favourites, Brewdog, they've just been on it again this year. They've just been awesome. Yeah. Really so, so uh, I've got a wee list here. So Brewdog, uh, so since all the great stuff they did at the start, you know, they've then had the gold can. Which was just out of this world. Um, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory type stuff. Just brilliant. Amazing. I mean, so simple, but great. As we talked, it was the Aldi Aldi stuff, which was great. They played that brilliantly. Yeah. The brew dog uh, with Ricky Gervais. Yeah. The the dog thing. Um, And then, funnily enough, this week, Budweiser have just done, tried to do something similar, where in America, you can put your dog in a can for like a limited run or, but what it smacks off to me, and it might not be this, I'm maybe just being cynical, but when something good happens in business or marketing, what happens is five other businesses, 10 other, but hundred other businesses go, I'd like to do that, please. Oh, do you see what BrewDog did? Can we do that? You know, and it really feels like that. And it's taken them six months to act on it. Carbon negative was just out of this world. Yeah. Um, and the, ad that went out for that was so simple but so amazing and i don't yeah. even know if it really went anywhere but i saw mock-ups that they, they posted and it said didn't it get banned or didn't it get loads didn't it get a few complaints which uh, probably, not know, this to their elbow. not this one i don't think because it said um buy one get one tree oh sorry yeah yeah what an ad be... i mean <laughs> you'd, you'd hang up your pen like as a copywriter if you wrote that line yeah, games I'm, over. My work is done here. Games over. Super, like, super Cali, go That's it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's it's just one of those. I mean, what a home run. Um, and then can, as, I, can, I, can I just say on, on the Brewdog mm. thing as well? James Watt did um, two really good, really interesting things on LinkedIn where he did his my my worst decisions as CEO top ten. Was one David okay. McDowell? No. No, it was um, it was James. No, no, it was one of the mistakes. Oh, David. sorry, yeah, I don't know. That was number one. <laughs> was it? Are you listening, David? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Number two, James hiring James. Brown. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, it was it was the top t- top worst decision and top ten best decision. It was just the t- the top brilliant. ten best decisions were brilliant. It was just the honesty in how he put yeah. it across. I think I mean, one one was about a Trumpy thing, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Mm. Yeah. yeah, it highlighted the the kind of brands that reaffirmed their status in our sector you talked about Hawksmoor before you talk about Brewdog it's, it's these this the leadership that they're the the top top tier of these these brands and these businesses have come through yeah and just pitched everything very honestly very from the heart I don't think there's any marketing that goes into this really yeah I think that's I think he's just he's just got a great approach to communications yeah and it, there's a sort of underlying confidence when you write my 10 biggest mistakes yeah, yeah. he talked about how they went you know, they pursued legally a bar that had that had a very similar name to their distillery, their American distillery. Yeah. And he, he said, actually, that was just silly. I don't know why we did that. There was, mm. there was never, ever going to be any confusion. I really regret doing that and 
It was Lone Wolf, wasn't it? Yeah, it didn't lone play Wolf, out. That's right. Didn't play yeah, out very well. And, yeah, and thankfully we saw since. Um, but I think that also he, you know, he's a big, James is a big um, proponent of that sort of inside out mm. um, PR and marketing thing where yeah. you just you just basically... Show everything. Show everything. And your business is like one of the, a very fast spinning coin where you're just showing what goes on day in, day yeah. out and you build a community around what you're doing. And yeah, yeah. It's huge. It's huge. I mean, so just in terms of that honest communication thing as well, like there was, there's a, there is a certain amount of confidence when you are the owner and, and, and you can, you know, and you know, when Will is on Hawksmoor's Twitter and you know, when Shamil is on Deshoom's Twitter yeah. And you know when he is not them, you know, and, and there's yeah. just something about it. But with Deshum, for example, they came down to Brighton and uh, they, uh, it was only a couple of, couple of weeks ago in Deliveroo Dark Kitchen and it didn't go so well. Um, and we've got quite a strong independent supporting bunch of people, quite rightly. Um, but Deshum are independent too, right? Yeah. Yes, they are. So, yeah. It's uh, smacked then me to say, or, you know, smacked of, so for you to be supported by, you know, the the troop foodies down here, you need to be from Brighton. One site. One site, you, or, you know, two maximum. You've got to um, also, you know, no racial appropriation on any food, you know, and, and, and. And it was just a bit like, I think you've there's enough. Making, you've got to be making everything on site. Yeah. Like Mrs. Miggins pie shop. Yeah. It, it just was a bit like. Vegan pie shop. Come on. So, but he got hit by a couple of pe- people down here and Shamo went by and you knew it was him. And it was a masterclass. I just, of going a bit like, look, we're trying to do a good thing here. We're testing it out. I mean, he's, he said to me on my podcast already, which was, Probably the population density here isn't enough to carry a big dishum, mm. you know. Um, but then they knew that they would have an audience because people commute and they understand what dishum is and things like that. Um, they've painstakingly made sure that the food is as good as it possibly can be coming out of a, a you know facility like that. They want to also make the people as happy as possible there. And then also with every meal sold, there's children in the UK and India benefiting from every meal sold. So you're just looking at it all and you're going, brilliant. And and like all, the, all of them had to back down and go, do you know what, I'm really... And also it was just a bit like, look, we're trying to create jobs here. And also, I'll go back to, you know, the Gary Vee interview that I had ages ago. And, and he was like, you put someone else out of business when you opened. So why are you so special? Like, why can you put someone else, you know, because, you know, you opened a Chinese thing or whatever, and then the other sort of local Chinese went, so no one's allowed to come in. It's just really one-eyed, isn't it? Above you, and it's just like, it's kind of like, that's business. Just single sites, good, you know, any anyone who's vaguely resembles a group or a chain or a more than one thing type of business, bad. It's just so, you know. It's understandable, and I, I get it, but... Brian has a reputation for that. Yeah, it? And I mean, it has. Is. And, it you know, is. Good, good. It's kind of whenever any brand or chain, I mean, winners, you'll know this better than anyone, but whenever anyone's coming to Brian, it's like, oh, good luck. Mm. Doing that. I mean, there was a, just stay on Brian for two seconds. I mean, it, 
there was a sort of tipping point where a flood of chains came in all at the same time and mm, it's yeah. made it slightly easier for some people to come down to Brian. Bristol's Bristol's the same. You know, the you know, you'll you'll get, you know, they want people from Bristol. Yeah. They want people mm. to do well. You know, you talk talk to the guys at Lounges, they get it in the neck now because they're a national chain. Yeah. You know, they're from they're from Bristol. They get it in the neck from the Bristol press. But you'll I think people in Manchester now got sites in London, you know. So there's, a, there's a few exceptions to the rule, though, right? So in Brighton, Wagamama is just stowed at all times. Why? Because it's brilliant, and everything about it is brilliant. You know, so you, what was so that all word of us. You just use, Mark? What stowed? What was that word? Yeah, uh, yeah, busy, busy, yeah, stowed. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so, so there's that, and then also. Um, Gales, who's actually next door to, to Wagamama, is doing quite well because I think people feel like Gales isn't, I don't think they really know. A bit like Bills. And see, if you ask lots of people about Bills in Brighton, still, they'll probably not know that there's 80 of them. It's, it's interesting, Mark. It's, it goes back to that point about public opinion and awareness of our sector. Yeah. Now, if you said to someone, Debenhams is going under, everybody knows Debenhams. Everybody yeah, knows yeah. there's a Debenhams around. If you said, oh, Gales is going under, oh, what's that, the local one in Brighton? No, they've got 80, 70, 80 sites. Yeah. Yeah. doesn't register. I don't think it's, Gales will go under. You know, if you make you bread, disconnect. You're, you're sorted. You know, and I think Gales do it really well. And, you know, Marta's done a great job and Romy and all that. You know, they're, they're doing an amazing job over there and, and everything looks great. Um, one thing, though, I saw, like, them do a recruitment ad and obviously somebody not from the brand team has done the ad and it was just about like oh don't do that don't screw around with your brand codes because Gail's brand codes are so strong and they are white and they're red line drawings or they're off white and red line drawings you know and it's really obvious when it is but it was this kind of black and white thing and I was like oh don't do that don't do that you know so it's like when you see Pret, you know having a little rush of blood to the head and doing something different you're like whoa I didn't expect that so yeah you, you always need to be protective of that Hi, I'm Alex from Engage, and thanks for tuning in to the Supersonic Marketing Podcast. Each week, we'll be bringing you a great tip to supercharge your own digital marketing, and this week's comes from Fred, our head of email marketing, who shares his insights on making first impressions count. It doesn't matter how great your email content is if users don't open it, so it's vital to make sure your first impressions are spot on. While it's crucial to nail your subject line, don't forget to consider how well it works in conjunction with your pre-header text and sender name. Subject lines should be short and succinct as you only have a small amount of space to capture your audience's attention. Be aware of truncation too and avoid positioning specific words in places which could lead to an awkward message if cut off in the wrong spot by an email client. You can also further optimise by adding emojis and personalisation which are proven to increase email opens but try to stick to no more than a couple of emojis. As for pre-header text, this area is the perfect space for building on the story you started with your subject line. It's a great way to tease your audience about the rest of the content. When it comes to the sender name, most of the time this will be your brand name. But think about whether it could be sent from an individual such as restaurant manager and choose an approach which best suits the campaign content. Finally, A-B testing is an excellent way of proving which subject line, pre-header and sender name resonate most with your audience. Test this by sending a couple of versions of your email to a small portion of your audience each with a different variant and see which performs best. Then send the best performing test campaign to the remainder of your database. If you need help with your own email campaigns, then head over to engageinteractive.co.uk forward slash podcast, where you can see how we've helped some of the UK's most ambitious and successful hospitality brands with theirs. Cheers and enjoy the rest of the episode. 
here's a commercial message from me. If you're looking to grow your business in 2021, then why not take either some sponsorship or some advertising with the Supersonic Marketing Podcast? You're listening and your customers might be listening too. All you need to do to become a sponsor or an advertiser with the podcast is send me an email to mark at supersonic.marketing. That's mark at supersonic.marketing and I will send you a rate card and a presentation that will absolutely convince you that it is the right thing to do to grow your business and help your brand boom. Um, so then, and then just Burger King, sorry, just, just to finish up on that bit was they let other people use their Instagram yeah, this week, was it? which was so super. Good. Well, what happened to them a while ago was someone was tagging them in uh, to lots of pictures that made up a huge male member. <laughs> a sort of drawing. Um, and uh, and they, they, they didn't really realise it was happening. I'm still surprised how low uh, in the UK, I think it's still quite low com- compared to how big it should be um, from Instagram. But anyway, great job there. They also did the Eat at McDonald's thing. Um, so you know it just seems to be hit after hit uh, Abocado out of admin yeah I mean look you, you could talk about I suppose we widen it up you could talk about the whole of the kind of grab and go food to go mm. sector especially in the capital uh, I mean Pret obviously what they've done and obviously they've explored different things bringing the subscription offer and you know doing more delivery and more into the offices not that there's anybody there um, obviously Itsu, Leon, you can name them all. Yep. Uh, everyone that's, you know, you, you can walk down that kind of patch where you've got five or six all together. Everyone's been affected because mm. the people aren't there, you know, people were t- told to go to work, then they were told to work from home. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I, think on, I think on that, it's really, really interesting to see how that plays out next year mm. when people, you know, how people come back to offices. I think we've all got a good idea. I heard, it might be one of you that told me actually that Pret were basing their new business on 60% revenue of their old business, as in that people would be in three days a week rather than five days, you know, yeah. for all their, you know, all their places in London or Manchester or wherever. So that's a, that's a massive change. But, but I think surely it's going to come back. And, well, Mark, and... you say that, but Google announced today that they're telling their staff not to come back until September. No, no, but what I mean is... That's mad, isn't it? You, what... And they say, and they've also said, come back in September and you can do three days. But what I mean is like um, three like three years' time. I, don't, I, I think this has fundamentally changed the sector. Now, I'm not saying it will push the dial for every part of the sector, mm. but this is a seismic shift that probably has brought forward stuff that would have happened in five or six years. But is this not a good thing then for people that are more local? Yeah, definitely. So I mean, they'll benefit, the, wouldn't they? Well, yeah, yeah, you, that's, you, that's been one of the big things of the of the crisis, isn't it? Like um, places in in communities and in, in you know suburbs, they've they've been busy. And and I think one of the things that Alex Riley from Lounges was saying around the country, like you know the big the big cities are suffering, but a lot of the a lot of the small cities, everyone's everyone's back, or mm. you know, it's, it's much more neighbourhood feel. It's a nicer me, life, though, isn't it? I was talking to a, I was yeah. talking to a pro- property agent who started like last year. He was the kind of running joke in there in in his office. He always got the kind of, oh, you've got another London Village site, have you? Oh, good luck with that. I've just got another West End site to sell. And he was oh. kind of like, you know, it was a running joke in his office. Now he's Lord of the Manor. He's because everybody right. wants, everyone wants a site in Richmond. Everyone wants a site, you know, in a London village. Because they want people who would normally commute 
they just want to go down to the local high street now yeah. and support the lo- local business. Yeah. And that, that'll be a change. I think, you know, we, we talked to Charlie McVeigh uh, last week, automation, technology, delivery, all these things were there, but these things have now been pushed so far forward. Mm. I, think um, a lot, I think a lot of people in their industry are looking at it as a reset. So you talked about due diligence earlier. I think a lot of people are going, right, you know, we're in, we're in a rebuild phase. So why don't we take the opportunity to look at our, you know, technology platform or just how we do everything and let's build it back much better. And let's, let's make sure that we're, you know, leaner, more efficient, you know, we're, we're looking to innovate in the right areas. But I sort of feel people should have been doing this before, sure. you know, and sure. we've been caught napping a bit as, as an industry where I understand it was just how can my business be as lean as possible and I'll maximise what I've got with my venues mainly. But then, you know, with the, the digital advent and all these things, it was like there are all these other revenue streams. You know, did people really push gift vouchers as hard as they could have? And it was just, I'll still do paper ones. I'll maybe do card ones next year or digital ones next year. I'll do, you know, keep putting it off. And so... There's, well, it's like, it's not, like, you know, I'm, I'm aware of a big, a few couple of big groups going, right, what is our, you know, saying earlier, what is our out of venue strategy? Yeah. Or, you know, let's look at that properly. And, and, but it's taken this to kind of go, right, okay, well, should we be in groceries? Should we be, what's our e-com offer? But, but all it is is basic business, isn't it? Which is distribution. I think, yeah, no, totally. I think uh, necessity is the mother of invention um yeah, yeah. and but, but mark you see like even table service now mm. you know the apps and i mean i'm loving that i'm a yeah, lazy you can get, pay your bill you I, can pay I'm your bill lazy. when you want to oh you know, weatherspoon were ahead of the game they're, they're, they're out they're out there now every pub group is looking at that yeah. and going this is where we need to be yeah and, do you know what i was on and people want to book and then look inside their sites and see where they want to sit you know they yeah. want to they want they want the three sixty tour and go actually I quite like that seat over there yeah. I'm going to book that seat there if I can. I, I was on to Omnify this morning. Uh, we nick there, you know, and they've they've had an amazing summer. Order yeah. B, um, yeah, we we all that and the product there, and it's great because you know it has moved them on a few years as well by having this necessity to to go out and do it, and they've done so well as as loads of people have. But there's quite a lot to be thankful for, you know, in terms of being a customer. Right, so I'm getting old, right? So I like to sit down and I like to be served. I like not peeing next to someone else. That's amazing, right? I'm really happy about this. Um, <laughs> so there's lot like I'm just going. This is flipping great, you know. I'm loving this. So um, yeah, as a customer, I think there's. But then this morning I went out for a coffee and um, I sat outside, and then it started to rain, and you're reminded that I think I was talking to Mitch Tonks about this, and you know, or maybe Alex Riley, and you're reminded that, you know, you don't live in the Costa del Sol. <laughs> you're just a bit like, oh. Um, but I, I think we'll become a little bit more hardy and we will sit outside a bit more and, you know, as long as it isn't, and it might even be something you you wrote, Mark Wingett, um, which was um, as long as it's not a, you know, a Scotch egg and a gas heater kind of thing, you know, sitting outside. Um, I, I think it's it's all about appreciation. And, you know, we talked about ETEC to help out and how people flooded out. And yes, that was to do with the discounting. Mm. But even the days before the last lockdown, because people knew it was coming in, people flooded out because they wanted to be out. And, and I think the frustrating thing for the sector has been when they've been allowed to, to operate, the people are there, 
And the frustrating thing over the last six months is every different week, restrictions have, you know, it's been changed. The, the goalposts have been moved. Mm. There's been no, like, we've had a three-week period where we could just operate, you know. That's that's a silver lining. There is a silver lining there, though, in that demand is, demand is there. So back in March, you know, people were panicking. We didn't know how this thing transmitted. We didn't know how we how we could say stay, stay safe or not. Whereas now, like you say, coming out of these lockdowns, demands there isn't it you know my my local pubs and restaurants are booked as soon as you can go out to eat out yeah they're, they're booked so i think the silver line is definitely that next next year i think you know demand will be there and hopefully a new appreciation of these these places that we have all around us and what about seat at the table the the sort of initiative to try and get a minister for hospitality do you think that's gonna happen well i think i think for me that was kind of be great to have a hospitality minister, yeah. but I think it was also just just also an opportunity to highlight the issue. So whether it actually happens now or not, just having hospitality debated in in the House of Commons has value. Who who yeah. should it be? Who should it be? Who who would we want in that chair? Tom Kerridge. That's a good N- one. Nigella. Will Beckett. God, Nigella. Will Beckett. Nigella would be brilliant because everyone would just be spellbound. Like men and women would just yeah. be spelt in it. And she said they'd be like, yeah. yeah. Just say microwave again. Microwave. If you, if you take it back a bit to what Mark said about, you know, seat at the table. One, one, yeah, it's, it's fantastic. And yes, recognition. I think, is it 150,000 signatures at the moment? But they yeah. don't, they don't always debate it, even if they, but, they still can not bother. But my, my point is there's 3.2 million people who, worked or were working in this sector right well that's a good point because we did you know not that it was a huge thing really or front page news but we did that 100 day playbook right for 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 businesses to say here's loads of free advice right no no ties no catches no nothing just go and download it if you'd like to you can donate to that you know we got 2000 downloads i think maybe 2000 Yeah. And and you've got an uh, industry that's crying out that it's on its knees and it wants help and it wants to and you're going, come on, like this, you know, we we really pushed it as much as we could. People who had it were pushing it out, all that, and see something. You just shake your head, don't you? Where you go, you want change, you want help, you want support. Do something about it, then. Yeah, Fill in the like, petition, or yeah. download this thing, or whatever. You just, it's like the Gary you know, V thing, isn't it? Everything is out there for you if you if you if you're prepared to use Google. <laughs> just just yeah, just go and, just go and get it. Just go. Well, Mark, I was talking to someone about this the other day about we had we had a couple of emails in to propel where operators have gone. You know, we need to start a campaign where we have a date where everyone opens up and to hell with it. And we're like, we, we can't really support that because no. you don't want to get people in licensees in trouble. Blah blah. blah. But it, you sit back and you think, apart from the obvious lobbying and continuing to talk and. I do, you know, the cynic in me thinks the conversations people are having with the associations in our sector is just so the government can go every time someone asks them, well, we're talking to the industry, right, yeah, yeah. you know, just, just lip service. But what actually, what cards do we hold to actually, you know, do something back? Caffeine you know, hero loyalty cards? I don't know. <laughs> no, but, no, but what, what, what is in our armory to go to the government and go, right, We'll bar every MP. Yeah, fine. That's you know. Yeah. I, I, what what can we do? Can we hold back taxes? Can we, you know, open up when they say we're not? We, there's nothing. I don't think there's nothing we can do. Well, I think you have to make it. You have to make it a voter issue. 
And as soon as people, as soon as politicians think that votes matter here, you'll soon get their attention. Or you make it, or you make it an issue that the Sun is willing to campaign on, and then the politicians care. But then, are so, they, would the Sun be willing to go against the government? Yeah. Oh, I yeah. think the, I think the, when the sun knows the government have gone, oh, well, yeah. they, they will go. Um, but that goes back to our original point at the start. It just seems that public opinion is, you know, shrug our shoulders, we'll do what the government tells but us. Is it not a bit Maslow, though, in a lot of ways, which is the first things, you know, health, health and safety. So that's where a lot of people are at, is a lot of people are just petrified. And... You know, and and then they'll get to all the other things kind of later. But there's probably a. a whole... I don't. I don't know. I mean, maybe it's maybe it's. I'm in, I'm in a sort of va- vacuum or echo chamber, whatever you want to call it. But mm. a lot of the people that I know aren't aren't petrified. I think a lot of people think, well, actually, I sort of know how to navigate this now. And mm. you know, if I you know wash my hands pretty regularly and keep my distance from people, and you know, I may I may get it, but I probably won't. Um. So I'm I'm not sure. I think. We we need to, you know, this might not sound terribly naive, but I think we probably, as an industry, need to do a better job of of painting a picture of what it is we do, and, and, and it's yeah. almost kind of like the multi million pound isn't milk brilliant drink milk kind of campaign. But mm. looking at the career pathways we give to eighteen to twenty four year olds, kind of those people that don't naturally find their way through an academic or university route, looking at you know. I think this industry is a bit more of a meritocracy than most. You know, you can join on on the shop floor or or in the back of house and you can rise up and, um, you know, just bring some of those stories to life and and just explaining what it, what it is that we do and how big the industry is. I I still think that through the course of this pandemic, there is a better understanding now of hospitality and what it is Mm. and what it isn't um, and how many people it employs. From Supersonic Inc., this is the Mark McSee Supersonic Marketing Podcast. The Mark McSee Supersonic Food Marketing Podcast is also brought to you by BDO, the trusted accountancy and advisory firm. As the finance experts in hospitality, BDO have the experience and the insight to provide solid foundations for your business's future growth. BDO really are the go-to team to help your hospitality business succeed. If you're in need of a dedicated transactional team bolstered with corporate finance, audit and tax services, talk to BDO, who've got the right expertise, knowledge and experience to drive your restaurant or bars business throughout their full life cycle. As thought leaders across the sector, BDO offers commercial and technical updates specifically tailored to restaurants and bars, including their annual hospitality reports. BDO also have a well-established network in the industry that spans across finance directors, suppliers and advisors, and they are always willing to use this to their clients and their contacts' advantage. Get in touch today at bdo.co.uk to chat about how they can help take your hospitality business to the top. And please say that I sent you. And then what about um, the big signings that have happened? So uh, David C, David Campbell going to Pizza Express. That's a big move, isn't that's it? That's Ronaldo, isn't it? That's Messi. <laughs> well, hopefully, hope, well, not hopefully, Messi. hopefully it's the former rather than that. <laughs> um, I, yeah, he is, his record speaks for itself in this industry and other industries he's been in. You know, yeah. he takes on the big jobs and... Um, 
I funny, funny enough, we talked about this last time about how there's been some brands who've probably been helped out by this, been kept alive. But actually, I don't think Pizza Express is one of them. I think Pizza Express probably needed to do some kind of restructuring anyway. Yeah. And there's a few brands that needed to do that. You get the debt off that business, which they've now done, or most of it, the majority of it, or a big chunk of it. It's it makes money. Yeah. It makes profit. It was only the debt that holds it debt to hold it back. And, you know, and it's probably got if you look at its estate. Yes, it's got some sites in London and city centres. It probably is overrented and is starting to get out of, including the first ever one in Soho. But it's in those market towns and small cities yep. that um, Mark mentioned. And um, David will get under that bonnet. He'll learn about it. He'll talk talk to the right people. He will do what he did at Wagamama. Anything, mm-hmm. Wagamama was in a stasis when he got there. And he will put that. He'll put momentum in that business. And it will be investment in sites. And yeah, in- presumably they've got the cash now to, to do that. Yeah, it, it, they will be. It, you'll see a refurbishment program. Yeah, early next year, they've got when when they ever need to kick it off. I think you know he's a great appointment, and you got to remember Alan Layton as well. He's no, yeah. he's no small hitter going in as chairman no. as well. He he was yeah, my chairman at lastminute.com. Oh, wow. Very impressive. Yeah. Very scary, too. And they've got a good management team already. So he's so he's so he's a good MD. I mean, she's that what she's had thrown at her over mm. the last year. In you know, in that business, and you know, I I think they'll come out of this. I think that's a real interesting opportunity. He's gone in there, and he's mm. he's seen the opportunity. Um, I think the other one is is Jane Holbrook, obviously another Wagamama alu- uh, alumni going into Coates. Mm-hmm. I think there's an interesting opportunity there because I think they will back Jane to do partners group own it. They is will she back her. chair though. She's exec chair. Right. Jane is very, very hands on. Yeah. I think you'll see the same. She'll, she'll get that business humming, won't she? Yeah. And and they're looking at opportunities to grow. They're looking at opportunities to bring more stuff on board. The same with Towerbrook over with Azuri. They're backing Steve and, and Harvey. And I'm sure Iparis, the big table, are doing the same. I think everyone's looking. Investors who are either in the sector or out of the sector are looking to see where's the platform here? Mm. Where's the brand I could use as a platform to go and do other stuff? Yeah, because yeah, I mean, one, we, one of the one of the things that we probably haven't talked about since the last episode was just some of the prices that people have paid, like Towerbrook and Aparis to come into those businesses, which are still very ballsy, but in in the fullness of time might look like really low <laughs> prices. Well, I think I think the classic one I tell people is you look at what Baparan bought this year. They bought Carluccio's and they bought Byron, uh, sorry GBK, and um, GBK was bought for 120 million. And Carluccio's was bought for 100 million by the previous buyers. They picked up both for roughly 11 million. It's crazy, isn't it? Absolutely crazy. You know, and Byron yeah. again, 100 million pound business picked up for around about five. As a, as a, as an expression of annual profit, you know, that's those are tiny numbers, aren't they? They are tiny, and, we, and we'll see more. We'll see more of this. I'm, I'm pretty sure we're not we're not through the woods on this. We'll see other. You know, funny enough, we talk about pubs matter, but it's mostly been the restaurant leasehold businesses. Mm. that have seen the problems over the last nine months. I think we're going to see, you know, we think we're at the bottom. I think January, February is going to be the bottom for this sector. And sadly, we're going to see a lot of movement. We've seen brains for settlement, you know, been in the same family for over a hundred years, but the family have been told by the banks that we're going to move this on. Mm. So we're going to see, but we're, you know, we don't want to talk about, you know, opportunities, but they're going to, there's going to be a, a major opportunity next year, a major movement of ownership, through yeah. this sector, and what about was GBK going to get bought by Byron? It get rebuffed, didn't it? 
Byron was the Byron, and if you look at the actual, we did a story this week. We looked at the administration report. There wasn't much between the two bids at all. So why do you think they went with one rather than the other? I, I don't, I don't know. I think there was slightly. It was all to do with. Um, I, I wouldn't like to say actually. I'd have to have the paperwork in front of me to be honest. Mm. But I mean, there wasn't much in it. Let's just say that. Mm. And um, I feel I feel like you know more, Mark. Yeah, they're, they're I feel doing, like you're yeah. not sharing. I think what what's, what would be interesting about all these deals, especially the Vaporum one, is is again the landlords. Do they still want these brands? Because you remember these are two brands that have already been through restructures two years ago. Mm. So it'll be interesting whether, and I'm I'm hearing a lot of sort of the, or you've already seen St Christopher's Place, which is a key Colucci site that Vaporum would have wanted, is gone. The landlord took it back. The two sites in the Marriott hotels. Landlord took back, you know, the Covent Garden one, which was a flagship site. Landlord took it back and sold it on. And I'm hearing the same thing with the GBK. So, you know, these landlords are going, you know, these brands didn't work. Yeah. You know, they didn't work and they haven't worked for the last two years. And now it's an opportunity for me to get new brands in. Um, so there will there will be opportunities out there. But I think, you know, actually, I'm, I'm hearing a lot of what we're going to see in the start of the year is, is temporary leases. Right. We're going to see people take temporary leases, landlords, kind of buy it, you know, try it before you buy it. That's going to be tough, isn't it? Because then the site investment, if they're going to have to come out. Well, Mark, you said, I think, funny enough, I, 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 don't, I was talking to an operator last week who bought three sites for the grand total of 300K. And that yeah. is the rent, but also the actual fit out. So mm. he, your, people are buying up sites. They don't have to put money, much money to fit them out. And if they can get deals with the landlords, because landlords are looking to deals okay. with new operators... So he picked up one, one site he paid nothing for and it was all fitted out. Another site was 200K to pay for the rent and fit out. Another one was 75K. But then Pretty if, if somewhere... It changes the game, doesn't it? But, yeah. then, if, but then if something <clears throat> is already fitted out, is that not a brand problem? Well, it's a, it's a problem for the brand that's not worked there, yeah. No, but I guess, you know, so think, let's say it's a Coluccio site and it's configured like Coluccio and you're going, oh, great, this is brilliant and you're getting into something at like... But if you're it's, an Italian it's, concept going into a Coluccio, you're looking at the kitchen going, don't have to do anything with that. Yeah. yeah the kitchen's the big one, isn't it? I yeah. Think. I just have to do I'll take the colourings down, put some colourings up, furniture I can keep. You probably you probably uh, have, I mean, whatever way you look at it, you, you probably you have vastly reduced costs. Hmm. To your point, Mark McSee, you might have to make quite a few changes to, to stay on brand, but it's still yeah. going to be a vastly reduced. Yeah. <laughs> It depends if your brand is kind of like that rough and ready, go in, make use of what you want to make use of it. It's all about the food. It's not about how it looks. If the food's great, people will, people will come. Yeah. I'm interested to see what happens to spend per head as well when we get out of this. Yeah. I well, I, are... I, I think it's going to be interesting for sure because I think you're going to have people who have been completely fine throughout this whole thing, wages-wise and whatever. They just work in a sector where they can work from home they're, they're actually saving money by being home. Then you're going to have people who are on their knees. Mm. And economically a very challenged Just as a result of what's happened. Yeah, and then there probably isn't going to be much of a middle. You know, there's going to... I mean, yeah, it's like that classic thing with recessions, you know, in, we will have, next year we'll be having six, 60 million recessions and they'll all be different and some people will be completely unaffected and some people yeah. will be... Also, just on that point, you know, I... I definite shout out to all the suppliers to the industry as well who actually have had no voice um no income 
and you know actually went out of their way to try and be as helpful as they possibly could i think you know so i think can you imagine a- what a nightmare can you imagine what a nightmare it's been for them with all these shutdowns yeah especially the one right now where can you imagine how much stuff is in the supply chain right now for christmas it just <sighs> well brewers breweries i just yeah. you know they most of them need two weeks notice to start brewing and it's just just taking leaps of faith every time mm. and waiting for that. I mean, we talked about this previously, um, Mark Stratton and me, talked about that horrible feeling on a Sunday night where you're just going to switch your brain off and then 10, 30, 11 o'clock, you get the leak from the Telegraph or the Times about this is going to happen tomorrow morning. The, just the sheer mental side of that, whether you're an operator or a supplier and think... Ugh, you know, I'm getting out on Sunday night and Monday morning, I'm going to have to sort this out right away. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to flip everything again. I have to have a look at a new, a new way. I think, you know, it, it, like today with the tier thing, it was like um, two things that came out of the last few weeks about what the government's been doing. There was the Simon Potts one where I don't know what, I don't know, I can't remember what the legislation was. It was like, stop shooting boys, we're already dead. Oh, right. And then the other one today was when the tier twos and the tier threes and Bristol went into tier two after tier three. I saw Alex Riley tweeted, oh, that means, I think it means we're opening nine, closing 15. Mm. You know, and just that operational, you know, from each to go, right, which which ones we are. And I had another one person said to me, oh, we're down to eight now. You know, we're down to eight restaurants that are trading. Yeah. And some not, not trading properly, obviously, in restrictions, but the mental and operational side of this thing and talking about suppliers, the other layer on top of that is the suppliers underneath it going, being on the end of the phone going, what do you need from us? When do you need it? Can we do that? Yeah. When you were talking there, I, I was just thinking about, I just had a vision of, you know, like wartime footing, people pushing things across the board and just, you know, are we open? Are we closed? Yeah. It's extraordinary, isn't it? It's, it's a nightmare. So, and, and what else, you know, any winners, do you think? I think we said last time, my, my, my feeling was there's, there's, there's no winners, there's survivors. Mm-hmm. And um, whoever mm-hmm. survives will win, hopefully in the long run. I think yeah, <clears throat> that is winning, isn't it? Right now, yeah. I think there's. I think a couple of com- I think a couple of companies done really well on the ecom. You know, some of the some of the, some of the donut guys, <clears throat> some of the fast casual brands. You know, they've they found a way to to get their their products into people's hands, and, that, and that's great. Yeah, and that's a legacy there that will stay with them for a very long time. But the winners have probably been technology as well, and like everyone getting a bit more techie and tech savvy, everyone getting a little bit more into understanding a multi-distribution strategy, which is, you know, definitely the right thing. Uh, probably getting a little bit more digitally savvy in terms of marketing, because that's the only way that you could reach people as um, well. Yeah, it's like, no, I was just, just going to say, it's like, yeah, you know, if you interact with us, guess what? We are going to serve you an Instagram ad in a couple of weeks time and we're going to get you in our system and, you know, people moving to a sort of technology platform. There's, I think, there's, yeah, that's that's clearly been the big, the big change for a lot of companies. I think Airship and Toggle did a really good job. Mm. You know, it, just yeah. in terms of pivoting mm. from, you know, sort of the Airship stuff into the gift vouchers. I mean, that just seemed to be everywhere, didn't it? Mm. He did a I, really I good job on, on a, that. On a certain level, anybody who's done a deal with a landlord has yeah. sorted out their their estate for the next eighteen two years. 18 months, two years. I think anyone who's done that because that is still the elephant in the room from even when we last spoke. It's still going to be the elephant in the room. Um, anybody who's done that, I think 
there's a lot of people well not a lot of people there's there's a few there's a group of brands who've got through this and have done well who don't really want to talk about it yeah because it's not the done thing and it's quite right they just want to keep their head down but they may either pivoted to delivery quite strongly or they're seeing that and it's how they then look at what what they want to be going forward but i think you'll see who who has been able to hoard money in april and you'll see the pipelines that people come out with and looking at sites um I, I think, think survivors will win through property deals. You know, yeah. I think I think the kind of the balance of power has completely shifted. But, so. but it, it's it's going to be a timing thing. I think it's really people are still, you know, the vaccine is is huge news, and you've definitely seen a slight bounce in terms of investors looking at the sector and thinking, right, we've kind of got a time frame where yeah. we think we can go. And but I think they're still, you know, if you said to someone you're going to put some money into pubs at the moment or restaurants, they'll still be like. But it's, but it's the same with holidays and travel. You know, can you imagine when you're officially allowed to go on a plane and it's and it's deemed safe? Bloody yeah, hell. That's, that's, it's got, that's it's going to be, be hard. It's going to be the Wild West. And it's yeah. going to be a capacity issue because so much capacity will have come out. Everything's going to be booked. Everything's going to yeah. be full. But it's it's, it's going to be quite... I mean, Gatwick's a plain car park at the moment. You go uh, past Gatwick, it's, it's a plain car park. It's, it's, but it's, it's when it returns to normal, we'll not be this summer when we're not any tourists in the West End. Mm. You know, we all hope next summer will be epic. Yeah. With all everything that's postponed, with this pent-up demand, we all hope it's going to be, you know, people talk about the Roaring Twenties. You know, 2021 might be might be a hard well, year. Is the Roaring Twenties again, isn't it? I guess. But, you know, but yeah, what happened after the Roaring Twenties? Great Depression. So, you know, it's... Uh, I probably won't see it that far. I'll probably just have a, <laughs> a, a few good years and then check out. <laughs> I don't know if that analogy too far, but... You know, I think we all hope sometime, we'll pray, just, just for our sanity, we hope we see, you know, we'll come back in January and everyone's like, right, come on. Big right. last push to get through. Pizza Pilgrims, lads, with their book. Yeah. I got yeah, one delivered. It was cold. No, it was fine. The book's meant to be cold. But I got it, but it was in a... It was in a Those guys are on a roll, aren't they? Well, it was in a, um, a pizza box. So it's really clever. Like, so it came to you and then... They've just done it really well, and they've got the old sort of cheesy, you know, kind of American authentic pizza man, sort of uh, on on the side, and you know, nicely signed and and all that stuff. So, yeah, I think that's that's another thing about multi distribution strategy. You know, I think a lot of it is about letting people into your brand as well. You know, how yeah. do you do things? How can they replicate it at home? And how can you be part of the routine when they're not visiting you? I think it's really interesting, you know, sort of looking at that. Uh, Guinea oh. Express, I thought was cool. So Osh and that have taken over the Pizza Express across the road or something. Is that true? Is that a thing? Yeah, it definitely, that- kept, definitely kept him fit, I think, oh. going from uh, one side of the road to the other. Um, I mean, it's just, it, I think it's just a, another example of the innovation that people have done whatever they can do. Yeah. I mean, you know, we, we, took, we, were, we did the summer one in, in the Yummy Pub site. And, you know, you just have to see what Tim, we talked about Tim, what that coming. I mean, there's up and down the country, there is pub groups and restaurant groups who have just gone above and beyond, yeah. bent over backwards to try and do stuff to keep going, keep people in jobs. Yeah, yeah. Keep having a future. And, you know, I think, you know, Osh saw the opportunity and went for it on that. I think, you know, but I think that's just one example, a good example, but one mm. example of tons of stuff that people have been doing. 
No, it's, it's he's, got, he's got a pretty unique product there as well, hasn't he, with the Guinea Grill? So if you can, it's amazing. You can get some more covers to basically do that. In, in you know, some more than fantastic. I mean, he's top of his game when it comes to hospitality. Mm. Absolutely top of his game. Hospitality. Is that going to be the new the new phrase? And then uh, Richard Kering's food drive, I think, got some big number. I mean, lots of things happened all the the way through, but the the sort of Kering collection or, or family or whatever it's called. I, I think, yeah, they, they did some great numbers, didn't they? And some yeah. great things. Yeah, I mean, look, you know, feed the NHS as well at the start. He, he's done some fantastic. But, you know, it's even even now with all the wastage of the food that we've talked about, you know, how much food has been thrown away that's been in stocked up this week or mm. people have just gone into tier three. You know, I, I would say to people, like, find out where your local food bank is, find out, you know, give it to your staff. Um, City Harvest, yeah. You know, breakfast you know these they all need help over this over this season all year round really but you know if you've got stuff left over and you're not giving it to your staff then you know take it there yeah and then just sort of wrapping up then any sort of big themes from the year just past then that are sticking in your mind or lessons learned or anything like that and then the second thing is what's your hopes dreams aspirations thoughts predictions for 2021 god uh well i'll go and then mark can wingers can say something intelligent um yeah i mean look we're recording just before christmas i think everyone is clinging on for hopefully a little bit of a break because it's just been such a ridiculous year Mm. Uh, and i was out just before london went into tier three i was out with a couple of friends and we were talking about this and just talking about you know if we'd have been 12 months ago if we'd have said we'd been walking into venues wearing masks and doing everything that we're doing it's just been such a strange time um that i think everyone you know will be glad to see the back of it i'm certainly looking forward to 2021 because it's not 2020 and mm. um you know i'm just hoping for for much better days i think we're probably all naturally sort of uh, on the side of optimism uh, and i think you know for hospitality i do think there's a load of stuff which is horrible that will have happened to people and there's a load of businesses that aren't coming back. Mm. I think hopefully for, for people that can make it through, this will be hopefully a defining period where you know there, there is a bit of a sea change in, in what you know people understand about hospitality. I think there'll be huge pent-up demand. I think it will hopefully be quite a positive period for both operators and consumers. I think there's going to be a load of consumers that are just ready to get out there and enjoy all the brilliant stuff that we've got going on in eating and drinking out in the UK. Uh, it's going to be huge demand. Um, I think we probably will look back and see massive period of change positively in terms of the way things have developed and, and the way people have innovated just to try and get through. So I think that's positive, but yeah, I'm certainly moving away from COVID and it's in the it's starting to be in the review now. Cool. I, I, I think, very much agree with everything Mark said. I think it's good riddance to 2020. Um, I think everyone will be keen to see the back of it. Um, I think we've learned a lot about the sector. I think we've learned a lot about what people think of the sector. Um, we all know it's resilient. How resilient has been proven over the last nine months, 10 months. Um, I think hopes and dreams and fears. My fear is we've got another thing coming up on the horizon. We don't know how it's going to affect the country, which is Brexit. And what deal we're gonna gonna get? We don't know. Obviously, when we're recording this, I think that's gonna have a bigger impact than people realise on finances and supply chains and etc. 
Um, my hope is we just get a fair crack of the whip. I just hope the government, you know, give us a fair crack of the whip next year to do what we do best as a sector. And I hope they sort out the rent thing quickly, cleanly. I think that'd be a huge thing. And I, and I hope some of the stuff they brought in, they extend. VAT, sort out business rates. Just let us, I think Kate says this, I think Simon Emily always says this, you're going to need us as a sector to bounce back. You're going to need us to give people jobs, young people jobs. You're going to need us to get the um, service sector bouncing and a boost. So, you know, give us a fair crack of the whip to let you, let us do that. Talk to us properly, engage. Don't turn your back like you have done and just let us do what we do best as a sector. What about you, Mixie? Just scribbling down some things. I guess the positives I'd take from this year, um, aside from the not having to pee next to someone else, is um, the tech side of things um, is great. So the acceleration of tech, I'm all for. You know, I think that's been a hugely positive thing and it's only going to help the industry even further. I think it was nice to see everyone united in the industry. You know, like you realised how close everyone really is, you know, together and, and fighting for each other. And, you know, whether it was the more addy things of, you know, Burger King saying eat at McDonald's and but all the way, you know, I just think everyone had each other's back. You know, I, I think, think was, and I think that's changed forever. Or I think yeah. people have realised that we are, you know, quite yeah. a tight industry. Yeah. So that that was really good. And then I, I think, you know, big fan of the multi distribution strategy and always have been and I wish we'd done it sooner. But that's that's good and then coming up this year I mean uh, this year coming I think there's going to be lots of innovation which I'm really excited about new brands are going to spring out people coming into the sector new ideas people will be brave enough to try something because of you know this sort of unsecure nature you know or there'll be superstars that have been let go that go on to do something brilliant so I'm really excited by that I think I think the incos <coughs> excuse me the in cost of going into a venue mm. will be much lower. They mm. have to be. Yeah. So, so I'm, that's I'm, going to create opportunities for people. I, I think, yeah. I think, you know, technology, technology through marketing and, and, and that, you know, sort of either young or old bright things doesn't really matter, but you know, that that's going to be super exciting. Um, and then I think I'm really pleased for local high streets. Like, because that's a nice thing in, for so many reasons, but I think, you know, it's it's going to it's 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 going to reward the operators that had the forethought to have this multi strategy anyway. That you know had a little bit of them in the countryside, but also had a little bit of them in in the main city. So so that's good. I think by the end of the year we will see the cities hopefully back thriving. You know, fifty percent at least. You know, which would be really good to see, um, and then. I think the the big thing is the aggregators. You know, you're just going to see more and more of that. You know, and I think one of them is going to get taken out in some way, um, and it'll be interesting to see which. And I wonder if Amazon might have another pop at it. Um, you know, just just to try and own everything. Um, you know, like the restaurants thing before. So I think that's going to be really interesting to to, to see all that sort of shake down. Um, yeah, and, I agree. I think I, how people do delivery is quite interesting. Whether mm. they do continue just to do the aggregators or whether they look at more white label, that's obviously coming yeah. up. Yeah, and and I think you're going to see quite a few businesses coming out that are white label. I mean, there's there's Dan, for example, at Sessions, 
down here, the Sessions Market, and he's an ex-delivery guy, and uh, he's hopefully going to be on the podcast soon, and, and he's looking at doing just that, where he's basically going to, you know, white label or bring better, and in inverted commas, you know, like more fine dining stuff to people through dark kitchens and things like that. So the amount of innovation, and I think people are going to get cute about their venue space, size, igloos, indoor, outdoor, you know, I, I think as a as a consumer, I think there's a lot to be excited about. You know, I think that's going to be really exciting. But Agreed. yeah, that's us. So a very Merry Christmas to you both. And thanks for wearing your Christmas jumpers, although people can't see that. And um, yeah, I'll see you bigger and badder and better on the thanks, flip Mark. side. Thanks, thanks Mark. Mark. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, everyone. So there we go. I hope you're fuller than you are after your second Christmas meal and a leftover sandwich. Thanks so much to the other two Marks and all three Marks for being on the podcast today and giving us their wisdom and their thoughts about the hospitality industry over the last wee while. Another cracker. Well done, lads. Okay, thanks to everyone as well who has listened throughout the year, who's shared, subscribed, reviewed, written to me, Talk to me over the phone, messaged me, met me in the street, any of these things. It's been so nice to connect with people over the podcast. So thanks so much for that. Huge thanks as well to BDO and to Engage for being our premium partners and our headline sponsors throughout the year. It's been absolutely amazing. Great partnerships and absolutely not possible without you. So with Engage, if you need anything digital at all, get in touch with Alex at Engage Interactive and he will help you out straight away. And also, if you need anything financial, any financial advice at all for next year for your business, then do go to bdo.co.uk and seek out Peter Hemmington, who is one of the best around and a partner at the business. He'll be able to sort you right out too. Huge thanks to Gaz and Gabby for everything they've done this year. Merry Christmas, folks, and thanks very much for doing that. So this is me, Mark McSee, signing off. Thanks so much for listening. Bless you for being around and hopefully I'll speak to you and you'll hear from me much more next year if that's what you want. I hope you got everything that you wanted for Christmas. I hope that the year has ended on a happy note and there'll be much, much happier times to come. So I hope, as ever, this podcast has given you enough value and ideas and really a spark that's going to help make your business boom next year.